Welcome, friends and fiends. This is your host, film critic and comedian, Nate Wyckoff. And I'm here to tell you about an exciting giveaway that Warner Brothers Discovery and Colton Classic Films LLC has put together to build your 4K Ultra HD film collection on digital. We are giving away four codes which contain digital 4K Ultra HD versions of Rebel Without a Cause, Maltese Falcon, and Cool Hand Luke. These are films that you absolutely must know as a film buff. You can get this code by being one of the lucky four people we pull from our newsletter list. So go to coltonclassicfilms.com slash newsletter and give us your email and your name and we'll sign you up for the newsletter and we will enter you in the competition. That's all you got to do. So please go ahead and do that. The contest ends on April 30th and we will send out the winning codes on May 1st. Thank you so much for being a listener. And here's your episode of Colton Classic Films Podcast. Welcome to Colton Classic. <laughs> Welcome, friends and fiends, to yet another episode of Colton Classic Podcast, the podcast where we talk about two thematically linked films, one mainstream and one cult, and uh, analyze the heck out of them. I'm your host, as always, film critic and comedian, Nate Wyckoff. I have with me longtime contributor and good friend, Tad Mastriani. How are you doing, Tad? Oh, we're doing the haunted movie now. Oh, we totally are. Uh, For those of you that have not yet caught part one, which aired last week of this podcast pairing when we did Inner Space from 1987 with Martin Short, Dennis Quaid, and Meg Ryan, and one of my favorites, Wendy Shaw. we also we also have tried to record this pairing for three solid weeks. Uh, full disclosure: we record our episodes uh, per pair at the same time whenever we can. So um, to to sort of get the thoughts uh, matched uh, between each film, and um, this is one we tried for three weeks to record. The first time we had a scheduling problem and nobody could make it. The second time, uh, all the internet from Spectrum in the uh, Southern California area went out for like uh, an entire day and we couldn't get the bandwidth to do it uh, effectively. And then uh, what else happened? Something that was, and then this, this time I, during our first part, I forgot words. Um, I couldn't, you couldn't get the damn invite out to me. I couldn't get the invite. Um, I, I, I told all of our wonderful listeners, yourselves included, uh, if you listened, that uh, the film was by Joe D'Amato, uh, which is funny because he mostly does pornography and, and, and uh, some genre films, um, when really it's Joe Dante. Anyway, <laughs> I think they have more overlap than you'd expect, frankly. Uh, <clears throat> but we are on to part two here, and it is this is a very interesting one. This is a direct-to-video sequel. It is a, an actual sequel. There's a lot of uh, Amityville movies that are not really sequels uh, in the in the traditional senses, and they weren't made by the same studio, or they weren't intended to be directly related. They're just trying to get customers and viewers based off of the name. Well, this is one of those movies that's trying to get customers based off the name, and it's a sequel. Um, it's Amityville Dollhouse from 1996. Now, this is considered part eight in the Amityville horror series. Of course, uh, the uh, Roland starring in the original, um, based off the supposed true story of uh, a house that had an evil presence that uh, manipulated the family that moved in there and the father became crazed and tried to kill the wife. And then uh, Ed and Lorraine Warren, um, now deceased, the, the basis of the Conjuring films, very loose basis, uh, <clears throat> went in and, and claimed that it was 
demonic the house was demonically uh, how it housed a demonic energy so on and so forth everybody knows amityville um this movie is fascinating in that i give them some credit for this movie there's actually for a direct-to-video sequel number eight in 1996 you could do some pretty horrible things you could do you could be the worst movie in the world and people would go yeah it's direct-to-video and it's number eight of course it's terrible <laughs> um and this one actually had some things i'm not saying it's a brilliant film but i was much more entertained than i expected to be and we'll talk about why uh, but i want to say the plot is kind of creative because clearly what happened is they said oh this is number eight Oh, okay. Oh, the house burnt down like 20 times, you know, in the previous entries. Okay. Um, we're going to not have the, we're, we're not going to have the house in this movie. Well, they kind of do. What happens is, is um, this new Brady Bunch family where uh, the wife has a, uh, whose husband is dead, um, has a young son and the father uh, who we don't know what happened to his wife, but he has an older son and a younger daughter. And they're not, I don't think they're married, but they're moving in together in a house that he had built for them. He's a contractor now. And uh, it's got this big gas fireplace and it looks pretty and blah, 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 except the landscaping is God awful, but whatever. <laughs> um, they move into this new construction and everything you you know they think should be perfect but there's a little family strife the 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 mother's son doesn't like the other kid and the older kid is kind of got a chip on his shoulder and he's a troublemaker and he teases the other kid uh because his only friend is a rat q willard they even kind of have him look like willard <clears throat> so and it's a mouse sorry not a rat uh and i love mice and rats so you know no offense given <clears throat> so anyway they move into this place everything would be fine except the dad goes into the shed which is pre-existent uh and finds this big amazing beautiful light up plug-in fold-out dollhouse and sure enough the dollhouse is modeled after the amityville house now what's interesting is that this film despite being an amityville sequel and having the house in it in dollhouse form it never says the word amityville um, and I think that's kind of clever because this family wouldn't necessarily know anything about the Amityville Horror House. It really, it kind of is, I liked that. I give them credit for that. Now, uh, maybe they did it because they thought that they wouldn't be able to secure the rights to the Amityville name and would get sued. Who knows what the case might be? I don't know the background, but I thought that was an interesting touch. Uh, the house, the, the dollhouse, once it's brought in uh, to the daughter's room, then starts causing crazy things to happen, like the fireplace to burst into flame. And um, it causes the mom to become super horny for the older son, which is very, we'll talk about that more because that's that's, that needs to be analyzed. And then um, and it causes a, a giant monster mouse to appear under a bed uh, so big, we just get the hind end of it bouncing the bed and it makes the daughter sick and uh, it, it, it it basically ends up destroying the house. Uh, yeah, so it's a demonic possession. It's a haunted house movie, as Tad said, um, but it's got some interesting little bells and whistles. And it definitely takes cues from some of the, the best sort of haunted house vibe movies from the 90s, like uh, House, which is really phenomenal. Uh, so let's talk about it. First off, I just want to say that the movie it's directed it's got some people you'd recognize in it everybody i think does a decent job it's directed by steve white who uh, made 
um, uh, he's a producer mostly. He, he produced everything from uh, Cabin Boy to The Devil's Advocate, um, but he did direct this one film, one film. Uh, he directed uh, a couple of the previous Amityville movies uh, before that one. And I, I mean, for, for his only directing credit, I actually didn't think he did a terrible job, um, but it definitely feels like a TV or a uh, moderately high-end direct-to-video movie. Um, we also get the writer is, is uh, Joshua Michael Stern, who is right, has written for lots of, lots of television shows, TV, um, like TV movies. This, I believe, was his first credited writing role. I don't know if he did it before, but again, there's some good things, some not good things. I, the reason I'm not surprised it's a first writing gig is because it is cliche, cliche central. Um, I mean, literally, we've talked about the fact how the, the, the mother's son is Willard, uh, at least a, an even less effective Willard. Um, the, we get like this, I almost call it a Cape Fear vibe that they give with, with the mother and the older son. Um, there's, there's bugs coming back to life, which is kind of a callback to the original Amityville horror. Anyway, Tad, I can safely say that you have not seen this movie before now, uh, and I hadn't either. Um, but now that we have, what was your expectation going in? And how do you feel about it now that you've seen it? I, all right. So Amityville, direct-to-video, as you said, eighth movie? I expected La Casa 4. <laughs> and, yeah, the wish, and, I, yeah. and i almost feel like i got it but uh first i want to say uh star andreef nice fucking model honk honk that's that made the movie for me i'll tell you that um but in all seriousness the movie um started off actually really good i was actually impressed by the um acting talents of people whom most of them if not all of them i've never heard of and probably never heard of again afterwards the story wasn't too too bad it it's how do i just how do i describe it it's it felt almost like a an early 90s movie that was in what would be the late 90s at that point um and i was i there were moments in the film that i was genuinely surprised at how much effort they put in like the zombie dad coming back the actor nailed it i was mm -hmm. super impressed he was creepy and also charismatic at the same time because and a great contrast to the fact that um his son is easily the most unlikable character i've seen in a movie in a very long time and he doesn't really get any sort of like development or redemption by the end of the movie he's still kind of a little snot you're talking about the younger brother or the, the yeah brother? The, yeah the, the younger one the one that yeah has the he's not yeah so he isn't he you don't like him um you no. don't like him at all like you kind of expect to because i feel like the norm is that you like the nerdy one because they're the ones that are put upon you know it's the stranger things right like they're the ones that are kind of off on their own they have their own niche in this case it's him and his mouse um but no he's an ass he's an ass to his mom he's like i don't want to move in with this guy i want dad even though he's dead because he's not old he's old enough to know his dad is dead that's yeah. like anyway infinite fucking patience to basically have a kid insult you right to your face and he i'd like he doesn't even flinch i was oh. like man that guy's got uh patience of steel yeah uh, you're talking about robin thomas's character yes. bill martin he's the father and he i think he did a great job 
myself. He is another one. He's done a million tiny parts, some bigger parts. Um, he was, uh, he played uh, Marco in Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Um, if, if anybody, well, the lots of people have watched that show. Um, yeah, he really has like, I, he has a really great line that I love and it speaks to the writing you're talking about. The interfamily writing is actually pretty good for the most part. In fact, it's be much better than I expected. For example, at one point, after uh, the older brother has gotten in trouble for teasing the younger brother, he put a fake spider in the kid in a pinata and had the kid hit it. And it turns out it's a real tarantula. But of course, it's not. It, it, I mean, it was a, it's the dollhouse, right? It's, it's haunted. Um, well, at night, the mouse gets out and it runs into the Amityville dollhouse. And the younger brother is distraught. He's trying to find it. Well, the Amityville dollhouse kills the mouse, but in a very strange way. What it does is the mouse runs in the house and runs under the bed, the doll bed. And then the little girl sitting in her bed in the room, all of a sudden the bed starts bouncing up in the air. And we have this like giant, you know, like three foot across mouse behind with this giant tail that's like bounding the bed up and down. And I liked the touch. The design was cool because we don't see the whole mouse. You don't need to. It's just this big mouse butt. And I thought that was kind of interesting. But um, the older brother runs in and is like, oh my God, because he, he sees it. And, um, and when he rushes over to try and help the, his younger sister, um, the, the mouse knocks him over, which knocks the dollhouse over. And apparently that's what kills the younger brother's pet mouse. Well, the younger brother, having been tormented by the older brother, is like, oh, you did this on purpose. And the older brother, who's kind of a bad kid, right? Like he's kind of, he's, he's, he's clearly a troublemaker. He's supposed to be a troublemaker. Supposed to be, and he doesn't really get into much trouble aside no, from- No, not really. Uh, not, aside from minor pranks. <laughs> like um, drinking booze and sneaking girlfriends in? Oh, what a, yeah, what a I know. badass. I know. Oh, he put a spider in something. Um, yeah, right. But, uh, but he's, um, the, the younger kid blames him. And then- the dad, as he's going to try and comfort the, his, his new stepkid or whatever, he turns to his son and he has this look and you think he's going to ball him out because that's how these movies almost always end up, right? They're like, how did you do that? Which is so ridiculous because they're like, they never believe the child and they always like go to the worst case scenario and refuse. They often have that line that we all hate, which is, um, it's like, I don't want to hear it. You know, like that, like, I don't want to hear the truth. Like as real as it may be in some people's growing up experience, it's annoying because it's insane. But the dad says, I know, I know. And like, you're like, oh. Oh, it totally diffused all of my expectations. Like that was the moment where I was like, oh, I don't know what's going to happen anymore because the movie is so by the numbers on paper, but the characters react in kind of a realistic way. And that, I mean, it, it's enough to make my voice go up at the end. Uh, it's a prize. Um, yeah. But yeah, the younger brother is not likable at all. I agree. Like he gets a little more likable when he tries to stop his like uh, ghostly zombie dad from trying to kill his mom's boyfriend. Like that's, which is good because you're like, okay, well, you're a jerk, but you're not homicidal. Um, you mentioned the zombie dad uh, who his makeup is great. He has two different iterations. One where he's like, they're very Tales from the Crypt, um, you know, TV series Tales from the Crypt. Uh, like he's got, he's kind of zombie-ish. And then in the second iteration, he's really zombie-ish. His hair has gone kind of wet looking. It's gross. Um, and uh, it's, it's uh, Clayton Murray played uh, Jimmy's dad. 
and he it's probably i mean he he had little roles all over the place he also uh we talked about picardo last term he was in an episode of star trek voyager um but he's had little bits at some point yeah rock was in an episode of voyager at one point i I know i know um but yeah he did a lot of bit parts but this was pretty good and interesting i guess on set uh they said he stayed in character and he would like crack these like really bad dad jokes with the zombie makeup on like and i kind of i kind of like that um uh and i don't know why but it makes me think of bob saget telling dirty jokes to all the kids on the set of full house until the parents complain um love it absolutely love it but yeah so he did a good job. Clayton Murray was good. Um, he very much, again, bull from uh, his role in House, like just clearly inspired. And that's a good place to get inspiration from because it's a good movie. Um, you mentioned Star Andreef, uh, who plays Claire, the mother. Uh, yes, she's quite beautiful. Um, she, uh, she was in a lot of great sort of B-movies, uh, directed videos in, in, the, in the 90s. Um, or the late 80s. She was in, uh, she was Alice in Ghoulies 2, which is the best Ghoulies, uh, in my opinion. She was in The Terror Within, Corman production. Um, uh, she's done a lot of stuff. Uh, Scanner Cop, which, and she, after this one, she did Vampire oh, Journals oh. for Full Moon. So, I forgot Scanner Cop existed. Well, how dare you? Uh, we'll, <laughs> we'll, talk, we'll talk about Scanners uh, and scan all the way up through Scanner Cop at some point. But anyway, and she, as I said, she's been in um, Nikolai's Vampire Journals uh, for Full Moon. So she's been around uh, in these films and she does a good job. There's, but I, so I wasn't, I was trying to decide if I should be offended or applaud that they have the woman like, supernaturally charged but uh lusting after the younger man as opposed to what is so often the case you know where they're like oh it's the leering older man um with the babysitter or whatever i was like i don't know if this is progressive or just degenerate degenerative i don't know but um i mean the so it's it's yeah i really don't know um but i give them credit for it and they played it and they never they made it very creepy but never to the point of like oh this family ain't right anymore um like it just it just it just gets you right there where you start feeling a little bit uncomfortable and then it's over and i think the wise part is that they have her pull back like she recognizes her desires and yet she's like she doesn't when she when she's having sex with her boyfriend and uh she sees the son in the doorway um, and obviously it's a haunted vision or whatever, but she, she doesn't keep going, which is another expectation of the sleazy movie, right? She, she like screams and stops it. Like it, it, it pushes that edge. Although we'll say this, there's a scene when she's watching out the window and she starts to masturbate. Uh, and that is the most male directed female masturbation I have ever, ever seen. Um, and, and it's just, it's just one of those things I'm like, it's like a Cinemax um, late night movie. Like the, 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 nothing worked. Um, I'm like, we get it, but at the same time, and it's, I guess it's titillating just because the idea, like it's, it's fairly rare for women to be portrayed masturbating in film. Um, it's not unheard of, but it's rare because we as a society have decided that it's not something women are allowed to do, but men can be filthy animals all they want. Um, next episode of colton classic top 10 female masturbations on camera there's not many good ones let me tell you (laughs) um 
yeah but it's like I, I yeah i'm pretty sure her lower stomach is bruised from the 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 fake uh fake work doing there but regardless um it's the best scene i think is of, of related to that um which doesn't really have a counterpart later like you you want it to escalate and it kind of doesn't it kind of just drops off is when um she's staring into the fridge at night and the lights are off it's like a midnight snack scenario and she's just wearing like what a normal person would sleep in like a cotton uh cotton undershirt and like shorts and um the older son comes in and is like hey claire and he he goes to get in the fridge and she doesn't move so he like brushes against her and she like scolds him and but doesn't move and it's really weird and he's like geez claire like i thought you were i thought you were i thought living with you would be fun and like walks away and he's it's great because they play him even though like they're probably not i mean maybe 10 years apart they're not that much different in age i don't think in the real world maybe i'm wrong um but even though it from 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 our viewership it's clearly like a sexual tension moment uh for her like a power moment she's playing for him he's just a kid who's like god i thought you'd be a cool mom but you're just a jerk like everyone else like it's a really child moment um which was nice and she has like zero expression which was freaky um i thought that was a strange scene it is a strange scene and it was strange enough that i thought it had a power that maybe some of the others lacked um especially because it was at night and it was just a weird moment because you're like it's the thing you know what it is that i think makes it so uncomfortable it's what so many young women have to deal with from adult men <laughs> like that disturbing creepy uncle vibe you know what i mean like it's that moment yeah. where it's a power play like um there's nothing wrong with this and at the same time it's totally wrong and really disturbing um you know how many times I've seen that at my work? And the best part is when people literally do it in a crowd of people and you're like, oh, no one, no one's going to say anything, huh? I mean, it's at the point where I think we should just like have women, like, because it has to be women. You can't trust men, maybe gay men. Um, but you know what? Let's be real. Gay men, you're still men. I, I, I know, like, let's, let's be real. The best people in our society are women. Um, that's why sociologically everybody prefers the company of women not always of course but um let's give like a task force of women a taser not one to kill you but just one that's pretty uncomfortable and let them wander around we'd have a lot less harassment um we might also have a lot more guys who are into forced electrocution which is really weird i was gonna say this might backfire on you nate <laughs> it's true it's true um but anyway weird tangent that scene happened in this movie um the there's also the character which is a little bit where i wouldn't say it falls apart but it gets back on the tracks of being sort of stereotypical is when um the husband's sister comes over and her sister is very oh, new agey oh, no. and her i forgot about this right, i literally forgot about this it's because it's tacked on um it's like they forgot that they had a haunting movie and they had to like shoehorn it in so his sister is very new agey and her boyfriend owns like a new age shop with her and he's he's the weirdest weirdest character he's like he's so stereotypical and at the same time so unbelievable i don't know how that happens because he's a harley rider who says very little 
but he also is very psychic and sensitive and has a new age shop. Um, and he ends up, and again, as always with this podcast, there are spoilers, but I don't believe that spoilers ruin a movie. If it sounds like it's up your alley, you're going to find plenty uh, to, to enjoy uh, or vice versa. If it's not up your alley, well, I gave you the parts that you need to know about the movie and you can move on with your life. But spoiler alert, he's the one that dies. Uh, there's one person that dies in this movie that we know of, and, and it's him. I expected him to come back, to be honest, because they pull this thing where the daughter goes missing, all of Poltergeist. Like I said, this is an amalgamation of movies or house, like I've said 20,000 times. And uh, the daughter goes missing and she's behind the fireplace, which we've seen had the husband has had visions of before. And so the husband dives through the fire, the brother-in-law dives through the fire, and then there's demons, which are both great, but at the same time, ridiculous. <laughs> like they had, they had two demon suits that were pretty cool. Like they're straight, they're Guar, right? Like you literally have two people from Guar, or not literally, but you figuratively have two people from Guar there. They do this funny move with like spinning an ax and it's, it looks like a, a, a the kind of metal video that wouldn't make it on MTV, <laughs> but they did put it on YouTube. Um, like, and, 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 and they look cool. Uh, and then you have behind them like the uber demon and it's a big red like skull face satan puppet and again looks kind of cool but with limited mobility you really need to only show it a little bit you just see it too much and you're just like oh it's a puppet and now i can't ignore the fact that it's a puppet and it doesn't <laughs> move like it moves its arms and its head but it's like it's nailed to the wall because uh, it's, it's the icon of sin from doom <laughs> Yes, very much so. It's actually, if it was uh, uh, seen, um, what is it? Rock and roll, is it Rock and Roll Nightmare? Yeah, Rock and Roll Nightmare. Uh, at the end, uh, they fight a giant Satan puppet. Yeah, and it's, anyway, it's very that. And uh, <laughs> anyway, so the, the, the brother-in-law sends the daughter and the dad out and it's like i'll take care of this and the house blows up i expected him to somehow walk out of the ashes because why not at that point like you're not frankly you're not losing anything by having an unbelievable <laughs> ending like really um yeah so i but that was that was kind of like they didn't have a good way to end the movie with the characters that were the strongest which is the family um the youngest daughter doesn't have a lot of lines she has a couple of chuckle moments when this the sister or the aunt tells her to like write down everything weird that happens and she's like writes down like doesn't like to be touched don't touch the attic door of, of the thing whatever but here's the best part is when the uh the older brother's girlfriend he sneaks her in and she's kind of like she's a bad kid right she, she's a bad home life or whatever they have this great discussion where essentially she's like you think everything is terrible like you don't actually know what's terrible look at what you have like my life and she tells just a couple of lines and you're like oh i feel bad for thinking the worst of her <laughs> um, and like it is it, it's effective and then he goes to make drinks the loudest way possible um and and she gets engulfed in flame by the fireplace and gets horribly burned so that happens and then the daughter upstairs goes in and like writes down, I don't remember exactly what she writes on the like weird things happening, but she doesn't write, you know, like um, burned, you know, brother's girlfriend alive. She writes like- um, Don't touch the fireplace. Don't touch the fireplace. Yeah, <laughs> just like, well, I mean, how old is she? I know, I know. It was just, it was just hilarious because it was so like, I don't know. 
it, it, it didn't not work. It just was funny. Um, again, the I want to know what the process was because the the sister-in-law, it just feels tagged on. In fact, what's it even feels tagged on because why was she not there to help them at the end when the uh, when her boyfriend is eventually killed? Because uh, a a bookcase falls on her. And she's got stuff, and not that you can't be seriously injured or even killed by a bookcase, not that bookcase, but by a bookcase, <laughs> you don't then say, go take care of them and lay there. Like if you have a broken spine, you need to have someone call number one. Otherwise you're just whining. Uh, unless this is, oh my God, this, you know what, 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 what may have happened is um, originally, and I, I want to think this is true. I think the original ending is they wanted Jimmy to like figure it all out and was like, I'm going to destroy boy, yeah. the dollhouse. And it would kind of be his little redemption arc for being a jackass throughout the entire movie. And then someone in the writing room went, no, that's too cliche. We've already got enough cliches. Let's have it. Uh, let's have a guy go to hell and get killed. That'll, that'll <sighs> fix it. You know, what's? I think, I actually think you're probably no. right. I don't um, know about that. I, I pull stuff out of my ass all the time. I will. Let's put it this way. It makes more sense. Um, it would be more satisfying. And just because I've, we've thrown his name out many times. Um, the character that plays Jimmy is played. It's Jared Lennon. And he actually, um, I, I know him and many people probably know him as well from playing the, he did the voice of Eugene in Hey Arnold. So. Uh, Jesus Christ, of course. Yes, exactly. So it's, it's absolutely perfect. Um, and and the uh lenore kasdorf is plays the aunt and um she's again all of these people long long time actors um uh she was actually in star trek the next generation uh so we're, we're moving that we're moving we're moving up in the world uh most people would agree but anyway yeah she i mean she was on jake and the fat man she's she's been in a bunch of stuff um lots of one bit parts but also lots of recurring roles uh, and then the it's not his fault um but tobias the the aunt's boyfriend is played by frank ross and he i mean most people now will know him as ira from uh, better call saul breaking bad um uh, he, he's pretty recognizable i mean he there's a reason he was cast as the hardly driving guy um and interestingly enough he was in an episode of star trek enterprise oh, which we don't fuck. talk about um yeah so anyway everybody's been in many things um it's it's interesting i actually i'm gonna say it i think this movie is far better than most of the Amityville sequels um, uh, as someone who has seen them. Uh, and even if you've seen like one through four, one through three, even it's, it's at least interesting. Like there, like you said, I was surprised more than I was disappointed um, with the level of, of interest in this movie. But with that said, you don't get a ton. You get some good effects. You get the nice practical effects with Jimmy's dead dad, zombie guy. You get some effects um, with the dollhouse. The dollhouse is super awesome. It makes me want to make one. Um, except I don't want to be cursed. So we're going to move on to recommendations. I'm going to recommend this for people who like 90s direct-to-video horror films. I mean, if you like this kind of thing, if you want to see, a, if you really love House and you want to see a derivative version, give it a watch. Um, but if you're looking for something really scary or you're looking for something that's really original, you're not gonna find it here. Um, you also probably won't find this movie. Uh, you'll have to stream it somewhere. Uh, it's, it's not super common to see out in the wild.
Tad, would you recommend Amityville Dollhouse 1996? If so, why and to who? This is going to be one of the rare times when I say I actually recommend both of the films that we have paired. Um, it doesn't happen often because, as I've mentioned, um, when it comes to these movies, I am usually going in raw. I have absolutely no research, no idea what the hell I'm in for. This is one of those movies, if you kind of know what to expect, I think you could enjoy this a lot more. Like, after, like, this is a movie that actually, after a few hours after watching it, I went, actually, that wasn't that bad. During, sometimes it was, at some moments it was painful, but there are some payoffs in this movie, especially Zombie Dead and especially the ridiculousness of the fucking ending. Yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you. I, I was entertained. I was not bored the whole time. And that's sometimes the greatest compliment because there are quote unquote brilliant movies that I have fallen asleep during. So, yep. Anyway, all right. Well, that is it for this episode of Colton Classic Podcast, where we finish up the pairing. Big things come in small packages with Inner Space 1987 and Amityville Dollhouse 1996. Catch us next week for a brand new pairing and listen this Friday for a new mini-sode where we will give you something special to tide you over the weekend. Uh, thank you so much. Leave a review wherever you get your podcasts. Send us messages at coltonclassicpodcast.gmail.com and at Colton Classic Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. And if you uh, have any recommendations, if you want us to review something, if you've got a movie, uh, reach out to us. Be happy to cover it. To play us out, as always, is The Chud with All About Evil. Hey everyone, thanks for listening to Colton Classic Podcast. This podcast is important to me, but what's more important are the rights, privileges, and freedom from violence of everyone in this country and in this world. And that means supporting Black Lives Matter. If you'd like to make a donation, please go ahead and visit coltonclassicpodcast.com where we have a list of places you can donate and help out. And please stay safe.